0: Welcome to Christian Natural Health with naturopathic Dr. Lauren DeVille. Christian Natural Health is the podcast on how to get and stay healthy, God's way. You'll hear topics on nutrition, exercise, sleep, avoiding toxicity, meditating on scripture, what supplements to take, stress management, defeating anxiety and worry, how to reconcile Eastern medicine approaches with Christianity, and a whole lot more. Now, here's your host, Dr Lauren. Welcome back
1: to another episode of Christian Natural Health. Today, I'm very excited to have Bob Hassan with us. Bob is a businessman, author, consultant, and podcaster. He is both the founder and CEO of HPCI, a painting subcontractor he founded in 1978 and that operates across the Western U.S. For over 30 years, he has been active as a consultant and board member for churches, ministries, nonprofits, and school boards. A sought-after speaker, Bob has co-authored books with Danny Silk and Sean Bolts. He's been married for 33 years to his wife, Lauren, and they have four children and two grandchildren welcome Bob thank you so much for joining us
2: oh Lauren thank you so much I'm so honored to be here I can't wait for this discussion
1: great I'm glad so you have a new book called shortcuts so give us a little bit of a synopsis of what it's about and who your target is for that
2: well I'm going to show you the cover right now okay here's here's the cover it's shortcuts do you see that black line through there
1: yeah what does that
2: mean does it mean it's no shortcuts or it's shortcuts? What is, the, what is the proven path to our purpose, excellence, and calling? Huh? Um, I've written this book because over my over my life, I've talked to thousands, if not tens of thousands of people in uh, in the Christian environment and and I kind of see these same questions coming up like, what's my purpose? What's my calling? What's God calling me to do? I don't know if I'm in the right place. And, and so the other thing that I hear is, tell me how to get there faster. Tell me, give me a life hack. Give me a shortcut. Give me a, if you're a gamer, you'll know what this means. A cheat code. I'm not a gamer. I don't really know what that means, but people are looking for ways to get through their life without moving through the normal process and journey that God has for us.
1: Yeah. Uh Yeah. That's really interesting. So how do you kind of see that the American culture is shaping those questions? I assume that's part of it, right?
2: Yeah, that I think the worldwide culture, of course, we've come through two years of a worldwide economic and health pandemic, and so we've been isolated. And I'm sure in your practice, you see people who are, who are, are dealing with stress and anxiety and things that have been exacerbated by what we've been through. What I see, America, the worldwide culture is like. I know you're going to probably laugh, but social media is promoting this lifestyle that is not healthy and not true and not real. So young people are looking at, you know, their friends or the people that they follow with their yachts or their private planes or their expensive vacations, and they're thinking to themselves, "How come I'm not there yet?"
1: Interesting. Okay.
2: And, and so I see a lot of anxiety around that where, where people's hearts have been sort of brought in shame because they, they haven't, quote, made it.
0: Mm-hmm. A lot
2: of the questions I hear is, how come I'm not a millionaire yet? And, 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 I, and I say, <laughs> how old are you? And uh, 28, wow. 28, every, but everybody else on social media is a millionaire.
1: Wow. Who are and, the following?
2: Right? I don't know.
1: <laughs> That's crazy.
2: But I think social media has become a highlight reel. Uh, we're not posting when we're down in the dumps. We're not posting when we're on the couch. We're not posting when we're, we're, we're ashamed of things that we're doing. We're posting, you know, so we look good. And and so there's this general anxiety that I see out there. And what I'm hoping is, you know, the narrative and the stories and shortcuts will help people understand they're okay.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what, replaces that mentality so you're saying you know there isn't there aren't any shortcuts what should the mindset shift to instead
2: well the purpose and the journey and the process of life so I like for example again I'm not a gamer but I have a gamer friend who who not. was me about <laughs> cheat codes. and he said he said yeah you can you can go from like if you're on level one you can get a cheat code to level 10
1: Oh, okay. And then now
2: I'm on level 10. I'm just, well, what happens at level 10? And he says, Oh, you get killed all the time forever because you don't know <laughs> what to do on level 10. And, oh, okay. and then I said, well, what, what's the difference? Why don't you just go from level one to two to three to four to five? And he said, because it's so cool to be on level 10.
1: Oh, interesting.
2: And, and so, you know, he's willing to make the jump up there without going through the process of learning how to play the game, the game of life. And he's, and he's now getting killed all the time until finally he, he acclimates to it, however fast this new level is.
1: Yeah. And
2: so I think as believers, one of the things that we, we need to do is re- recognize that our our life is this wonderful process and it's a journey.
1: Yeah. So that reminds me, there was this, uh, I think it was Charles Capps who made the quote of, you can't build a second story on a vacant lot. <laughs> it sounds kind of like what you're describing.
2: Yes. Oh. That's a, that's a great quote. I, Like, listen to this in Genesis two, seven, God breathes life into Adam. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And then in verse 15, which is the next time he addresses Adam, he says to him, go tend to the garden or go to work. Mm -hmm. And so right off the bat, the first thing that God says to Adam, there's no Eve yet. There's no, there's no curse. There's no apple. There's no tree. There's none of that. Go to go tend to the garden and, you know, eventually name the animals And then, you know, if you go to John five, Jesus says this, my father and I are always working. Mm -hmm. So what I'm looking at is in, in God's economy, work is the first thing he ever told man to do. Mm -hmm. And fast forwarding through the new Testament, he's reiterating that by saying is he and his father are always working. And, and so what I, I think is very interesting in our culture is, uh, work is a blessing. And our environment that we live in is something that we can do with joy. And I think lots and lots of people are are going to work, especially now, some people, other people are so isolated. Maybe they're working at home. Maybe they're not in teams anymore. They're doing lots of Zoom instead of face-to-face meetings and and we have to get the joy back is like, what is our character as believers? We're supposed to be the salt and light going out before. I, I'm not, I'm not uh, advocating that we're evangelists at work. I'm advocating that we use our character to go be the best workers there can be. We're Jesus apprentices. So let our character shine. When you go to work and you complete a task, ask your other team members, can I help you? I'm finished. Go to your supervisor and say, hey, listen, uh, I finished my tasks and I've asked the others if there's anything else to do. Do you have anything else for me to do? And as as human beings, you know, you're going to put yourself in the 1% of workers if you, if you start to shine your light like that.
1: Totally. Yeah, absolutely. So um, how would you recommend, because most people are looking for you know, a job that fulfills them or that gives them passion Would you say that the passion comes as a result of behaving that way of, of, of looking for what you can do and doing it with excellence?
2: I love the way you put that. Um, Probably the second issue that I hear most of the time is I'm just not passionate. In other words, my company doesn't have a social justice program or they're it's a big corporation and they're just out for themselves and they don't care about us. And I'm just not passionate. And so I did a word search and an etymology about where does passion come from? Passion, the word comes from, uh, the passion of the Christ. Mm-hmm. And so we know what happened. He suffered hanging on a cross for the remission of our sins as, a, and that's where passion comes from. So, so in my view, passion comes from suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and am, am I being morose? No. Uh, if you're in an entry-level position, Uh, you're probably going to have to do all the jobs no one else wants to do. And you have to do it for a while until your character begins to prove who you are and where you're going. I think if you think about logically, uh, we have eight hours to work generally, eight hours to sleep generally, and then we have another eight hours for personal social time. And if you're in a job, uh, where where you 're not feeling passion, you know that that eight hours in the middle is a place that as you 're taking care of yourself, soul care, personal care, those kind of things, you can begin to pursue your passions outside of your church or outside of work.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. So it's it sounds like it is something that you cultivate really. It's that what you spend effort in is what you come to value. Kind of like in the same way that Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Kind yeah. of the treasure of your time in a way. Would you would you say that similar?
2: Yeah. I like like Lauren, what's your passion? What what do you I know I know, I think I know what the answer is, but what's your passion and how much time do you spend cultivating it?
1: Oh, gosh, I have several. So it would be hard to, to nail it down. But I mean, from the standpoint of my practice, yeah. I'm passionate about finding root cause for people so that they can actually restore them to their health so that they can go about doing what God designed them to do to, exactly. to free them up.
2: Yeah, and and it's it's such a righteous passion and calling that you have, because the work that you're doing is going to allow people to experience God in a way that maybe they couldn't because their adrenals were low, or, you know, what have you.
1: Mm -hmm. Right, exactly, exactly. So you're talking also about this balance between the eight hours that you're working and the eight hours that you're doing something else is leaving aside the sleep portion. Although that's also critical as long as you're doing it. So what is the, the work-life balance, stopping and resting and recovering? How does all of that play into this?
2: I wish I could say there's a cookie cookie cutter answer, but that there's really not because we're all different. Um, one of the, I, I love to talk about like professional sports teams. They win the Super Bowl or the NBA championship and they've gone for eight or nine months on this on this quest. When they finally win, um they've got time off for two or three months, and all the time that they put in practice and games goes away and they're 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 relaxing, getting ready for the next season. Well, most of us have jobs let's just call it nine to five jobs and we're lucky to have a week in the summer and a week in the winter yeah and so do we sit around for six months thinking i can't wait to get to summer vacation or winter vacation or do we say okay listen in every week i i I need to prioritize for myself exercise rest uh recovery fun and passion and and so so what i would say even though there's no cookie cutter solution for people who are dealing with work life balance look at the things that that you love look at the things that that give you uh that that give you passion and and make sure that you're working them in we we can't work 6 days a week 12 hours a day we we have to take time for ourselves or else we're going to burn out and and i'm sure i'm sure in your practice you see people coming in that that are just so burned out they can't get off the couch and, and yeah, I'm sure. And I would assume that if you, as you ask them questions, you find out that they did not have any type of balance in their lives.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
2: How would you, I mean, I'm so interested in this concept. How would you answer that question? What do you think work-life balance looks like?
1: Um, so I, there's those kinds of people where they're going, 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 and they tell me they don't have any margin. There's nothing they can cut out. Um, one of the first things that I will tell them, number one, to create a Sabbath one 24 hour period where you don't do anything else. Like you, you just rest and that's whatever rest means to you. So if something is restful and it's filling your bucket, then do that. But if it's something that's going to deplete you, it doesn't belong on that day if possible. If they tell me they can't do even 24 hours straight, then I will say, find 24 hours throughout the week, then distribute it. But you're, you have to have 24 hours total. It's just better if it's all together. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing I will tell them is that there is a handout from, uh, Stephen Covey's book of the seven habits of highly effective people. Mm -hmm. That is the urgent versus important handout. Yes. There's you're familiar. Yeah. Uh, So there's four categories. So there's the, the urgent and important. This is like your house is on fire and absolutely have to take care of this, or there's going to be major consequences. So you do have to do those things, but things shouldn't, you shouldn't be living there. If you are, then there's something missing on the important, but not urgent category. Those should be the bulk of your time. Those should be things like spending time with God, spending time with family investing in your work, investing in your goals and things like that, taking care of your body. There is the urgent, not important. And this is other people's priorities usually. And they're putting things on your plate and their boundaries that you need to begin to create. And then there's not urgent, not important. And those are usually like scrolling Facebook or something, you know, just wasting time. So you can eliminate those for the most part. You should hopefully be able to eliminate You know, not entirely because the world is the world, but you should mostly be living out of the important, not urgent. Yeah. That's what I usually do.
2: I love that. I love that. And I love the Sabbath. And we, you know, we try to practice that. We don't get legalistic about it, but we really do try to practice it. I have friends who turn their phones and all their electronic electronic devices off on Friday night Mm -hmm. and go through Sunday night. And that seems, that seems like, Wow. But (laughs) when you train people to do that, they they know that that's what you're doing. So it's a super interesting concept.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So And then um, what does our identity have to do with all of this, would you say, in terms of going back to the concept of what am I called to do? What does God want me to do with my life? How does identity and calling kind of play into this?
2: Well, I see... Lots and lots of performance mentality. People are just on the hamster wheel performing. So if we can understand that we are loved sons and daughters of God positionally, that whether we've succeeded, whatever our definition of success is, I'm holding my hand out there. There it is. Whether (laughs) we've succeeded uh, or whether we haven't succeeded yet on this hand, positionally, we're loved sons and daughters of God. And so our identity does not change. We're on the continuum of of our life, the process or the journey of life. So for me, recognizing no matter what I do, Mm -hmm. I'm a loved son of God. And no matter Lauren, what you do, you're a loved daughter of God. And so the performance goes away. And, you know, obviously we're trying to be good stewards of our time, energy and money, but sometimes, sometimes we make mistakes and what, what, ends up happening is we beat ourselves up for days months years sometimes I've talked to people who've beaten themselves up for decades over over a mistake but when you recognize that God loves you no matter what your performance is on either side it should calm your heart down to understand then what your purpose your destiny your calling is
1: yeah absolutely and so once you know your identity, then kind of what do you do in terms of the calling? Is it something lofty way out there? Or do you f- tend to find that it's kind of God put something right in front of you and you begin to move into that?
2: Yeah. Um, I think people are looking for the lofty. Yeah. Looking for the, you know, like in our world, to the nations, yeah. right? And, and when people say that, you're like, oh, I'm not to the nations. I'm just, you know, affecting a few people's lives. But what I've seen happen is, let's say God has a calling right here for you, and and people are busy looking over it for their their true calling, and they're, they've let's say they've taken the personality test, Enneagram, the DISC test, Strengths Finders, the Myers Briggs, whatever you like, or they've talked to their friends and family and said, "What do you think I'm good at?" Still, there's this thing that they're, they're looking over. I found that most of the time, our assignments are very close to us. If not in front of us, they're very close to us. And what I found in, in my life and my career is it, it really does take one step at a time. And putting one foot in front of the other, being faithful in the small things, not despising small beginnings. The scripture says, don't despise small beginnings. God rejoices over the work starting. Mm-hmm. And I know the first part of the scripture, but when you, the second part of the scripture, you're like, oh my gosh, he just wants us to start. Wow. He just wants us to begin to do the thing that we're afraid of. And you say, well, how come you haven't started yet? And people are like, I'm just, oh, I'm just afraid. What if I fail? What if it doesn't work? What if I lose money? What if, what if, what if, what if? And and by having community around and relationships around of people that love you and care for you and are concerned about you, that you trust, you can begin to put these things out to them and say, this is what I think, you know, I'm hearing God say. And what do you guys think? Cause you know me, you love me, you care for me. I trust you. And and I believe one of the things that we're really missing right now is community is the ability to go see each other, be with each other and hear each other. Uh, speak into our lives
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so kind of taking it down to a bit more of a practical level what would you say are some ways that we can identify the roles where we can grow and thrive and contribute our best work to the world around us
2: number one uh, Recognizing that your positional identity is a loved son and daughter of God, which should free lots of people up for figuring out like, okay, what, what is my calling? Mm-hmm. And, and when you, when you understand who you are, then you can go and look at those personality tests, you can go and talk to people. If you've majored in college in in a subject, or, you know, graduated from high school with an interest, then you know that should tell you kind of where your direction is. Yeah. Uh if if you're if you're ministry if you're ministry centric and you have passion for the lost or, or orphans or refugees or getting water to the world, you know, these kind of things uh, you, you can look at and because so many times, I mean I don't know if you see this Lauren, so many times people are looking for something out there. And you know my question is what are you interested in? What's your, what are you passionate about? And then it kind of flows, yeah. and 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 you're you're asking, well, why don't you pursue that? Mm-hmm. And people think, well, well, because because I like it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly why you should. Right.
1: <laughs> That's, I, I love the identity part because that I think settles so many of the fears, as you said earlier. Yeah, of needing to go out and make your mark on the world. Once you know that you're already settled and secure, then it's just, okay, I'm partnering with God. He wants me to find what, yeah. he, what he's placed me to do. And the idea that it's not going to be something lofty way out there that you just jump to all at once. He's going to place it right in front of you. That's so much more the character of God that he's not going to make a part.
2: It really is. And practically speaking, you know, I'm a planner and so I, I like strategic planning and part of strategic planning is identifying short term, mid-term, and long term goals. So maybe you have a goal out in 10 years that there's this big goal that you're thinking, this is what I want to do, yeah. it, but it's out there. It's out there in a, as a long term goal. In the meantime, if you have short and midterm goals that are go- going to be marching you on the way to that dream that you have with God, uh, it's not so overwhelming. Yes. And, yeah. and, and you, you can start, as the scripture says, and then move towards it.
1: Start where you are, for sure. So um, another of my passions is that I write fiction on the side. And so the idea of sitting down and just writing a novel would totally overwhelm me. But I always start, I've got this process where I'll write my outline first and the outline is very fluid. I just come up with something to start. And then I write in 20, 20 page, roughly give or take segments. Mm-hmm. And each time I finish one of those, I will edit it to the best of my ability and I'll go on to the next section based on what I've already said is supposed to happen here in my outline. And then if I decide, oh, the outline needs to change, then I'll go over here and tweak it. Right. To do what I need to do. But you're absolutely right. You can't just sit down and do it straight through. I guess people in NaNoWriMo can, but I could never do that. So that I think is is the kind of an illustration of, of taking things in bite-sized chunks so they don't yeah. totally overwhelm you. Yeah.
2: That's a beautiful illustration. I think I think like for your listeners, that is exactly what the process of life is. And I love what you said about as you get through it, it's like, Oh, I, I'm, I'm going to shift. I'm going to go in a different direction. You can, mm-hmm. because yeah. it's you and, and you, you go to the outline and say, this is where I want to go now. And nobody right. says you can't do that yep. because it's your outline yep. and you're hearing from God through the creative process. Mm-hmm. And this is where it's taking you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, is there anything I have not asked you that you want to make sure that you leave with our audience?
2: I don't think so. I mean, I, I just, just the fact that people need courage. Oh yes. And, and and I and I think that you that you and your listeners would be surprised if you just start something where God takes you. How if the spirit of fear can be lifted off because you recognize that you're loved sons and daughters of God that He wants to partner with you in your dreams and desires that God actually cares about what you care about and is concerned about what you're you're concerned about you'll see that moving through moving through life uh, is becomes joyful and I, and I'll tell you this there's only one shortcut i I'll tell it, I'll tell you what it is so you don't have to read the book
1: <laughs> okay
2: the the only shortcut really in life that I've found is the pursuit of wisdom. Mm, And so how do we find wisdom? We find wisdom from the word of God, from the spirit of God. We find wisdom from others' experiences, mentors and people that we love and wisdom from our experiences. And if you put all that together and you think about what is my next step and then you look at this body of wisdom that you have available to you, it'll help you in your decision making and strategic planning to, to go to the next step.
1: That's great. That's great. Mm-hmm. Where can people go to find out more about you?
2: Well, I have a website, uh, bobhasson.com, H-A-S-S-O-N, and on there I have you know blogs and interviews and roundtable discussions and uh, uh, podcasts, and you can buy the book books there. Uh, or you can buy books anywhere else. And I'm pretty active on Instagram at Bob.Hasson.
1: Awesome. Well, I will include those in the show notes. And thank you so much, Bob, for all of your time and wisdom. This has been fantastic.
2: Thank you, Lauren. Honored to be here. Thanks so much.
0: Absolutely.
1: Are you looking for a holistically minded healthcare practitioner who truly treats root cause rather than symptom suppression?